just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, we are drawing a line from Salt Lake City down to the southeast corner of our state the Utah portion of the Navajo Nation, where 10 days ago, the state of Utah, the Navajo Nation tribal government, and the federal government reached a settlement agreement related to water rights and running water infrastructure on the Utah portion of the Navajo Nation. My guest today, Davina Smith, is a candidate for the Utah House from District 69, the portion of our state most impacted by this water agreement. She's the first Navajo woman to run for state house in Utah's history. History. She was there when this water agreement was signed, and now she's here to explain why it matters and what's next. It's Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. I'm Allie Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Davina, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon. So the road to a water rights settlement between the state of Utah, the Navajo Nation, the federal government, where does this story begin? It begins on the Utah Navajo Reservation. Yes, the Navajo Nation is quite big and it consists of states of Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah, but focusing primarily with the Utah Navajo side. Mm-hmm. And and those are communities that span from Navajo Mountain, Monument Valley, El Jato, Helchita, Mexican Hat, Ismay, Montezuma Creek, and Anath. And yeah. that's about twenty seven thousand square miles. Um, I think that's around that that uh, square mileage. How long have these negotiations been in process about water rights? Oh goodness, I want to say for years, maybe forty years. I know this seems like a simple question, but like, what are water rights? Water rights, specifically for Utah, the primary focus was to assure that our communities in our community have running water. Mm. The, The most simplest thing is running water for our necessities Mm -hmm. and clean water on top of that. And so those were issues that had not been supported for so long. And then also the create the establishment between the state of Utah and the Nav- Utah Navajo Nation. Mm-hmm. Why is it being called a settlement? Like, what is the actual agreement that was reached? So the settlement that was reached on this was $210 million for a drinking water infrastructure. Hmm. And that uh, that is for the Utah Navajo reservations. And so residents, as I mentioned, the many Navajos lack running water and residents often have to fill, we have to fill our containers at public tap to hmm. rely on water del- deliveries, you know, or even volunteer organizations. 
And so with this settlement, it strengthens our indigenous communities and support tribal self-governments. How will it change access to water? It will change it tremendously. We will finally have our own autonomy. Like um, I know growing up, to give a visual, we would have to load up a lot of our water containers and and we make a day out of it. We Mm. load up all our water containers and drive to the nearest location where we can load or fill our water um, tanks. And of course, there'll be other other community members that are also waiting in line. So I remember my grandmother making lunch because we had to wait in Mm -hmm. line just as everyone else. And then when you get back home, it's now kind of dividing, you know, how much go into our livestock, how much go into our basic home needs, how much go if we're doing some form of farming. So we had to ration them out. And every drop was ever so important that we couldn't waste. Mm. So it changes everything and our way of life. Like I said, it's the simplest things for us that we take for granted. And Mm. now families are going to be able to have that just at a turn of a knob. How long do you think it will take to implement this kind of infrastructure? It's going to take it's going to take a process because I believe right now that the this the signing had the the ceremony signing was done last Friday. So mm-hmm. the next step is now having the state of Utah, the Navajo Nation come together and de- develop a plan, a, a management plan and what that's going to look like for the Utah Navajo and I believe there's um there is a period where, where they have to submit what that plan is going to be because also another thing that's going to be indicated in there is I believe that Utah Navajo will now have a right to lease the water Mm. and so that is lease it to the state of Utah for example say there is a farmer up in one of the farming locations Mm -hmm. anywhere in the state of Utah and they're running out of water well Mm. they can now reach out to the Utah Navajo a nation and ask, okay, I'd like to, what's the steps in the process for leasing water? And that, those, and the funds there go back into our communities. Hmm. So I'm looking forward to the outcome, but right now there's going to be a, a planning period where there has to be a structural uh, management plan for this first. Okay, so the settlement agreement that was signed on Friday basically says then, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Navajo Nation is getting 200 plus million dollars to put towards water infrastructure. Yes. And then at the same time is also receiving very specific and quantified rights to water from the Colorado River. Correct. How do people feel about the amount of water being quantified? Because it seems like Utah officials are thrilled with it because they have so much anxiety about who gets water from the Colorado River and that being not quantified. Mm -hmm. But I have to imagine being given a specific amount is also maybe stressful or discouraging. Like I said, this has been going on for ages. I mean, this, this, this lawsuit or this settlement, and I think... Overall, I come from an area where we didn't have running water. And I think 
the outcome of this where it's settled is it's a, a, it's a sigh of relief. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Why did it take this long to get to this settlement agreement? Because we've been in drought for 20 years. So this has been urgent forever. I could say so many things, but I, I think I'm <laughs> going to be nice. You don't have to be. <laughs> I think, again, and I've said this many times before, and I know this is messages that have been relayed before my my elders and ancestors that have passed on, that is that Utah Navajo, we have been left out of mm. any form of conversation. We have been left out overall. We are overlooked. And what have we, What and what has that gotten us? I mean, we've been overlooked in expressing our plea of look what's happening to our family in terms of water, in terms of these extraction companies coming in and impacting our family members. And that's what I'm talking about is uranium. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a, a water desert, in a food desert. And my my community members still, aside from getting having the opportunity of having water, we still need paved roads. We still need housing. Mm-hmm. This is that first step. And I hope that we continue to move forward in that sense. And that is where I'm a part of one of many voices to to continue with our state of Utah in saying we are no longer going to be overlooked. Mm -hmm. You bring up uranium. And I think, I mean, like, maybe there are some people who don't know this, but the last standing uranium mine in this country is on the Utah portion of the Navajo Nation. And there has been a concerted effort to shut that operation down for a very long time that's been unaddressed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's heavily impacting the small community of White Mesa, which is the Ute tribe. I've gone to I've gone to school, high school with a number of my peers from there. And to hear that some have passed on from cancer because of the mill, it just it's so impactful because I and I take it personally because my grandfather worked in the uranium mines mm-hmm. and he was never told the health repercussions of that. He used to, from his clothes that he would wear, they would have yellow dirt on it and he would bring them home. And my grandmother just thought it was dirt the same as any other dirt. And she would wash those clothes 
hand wash them while she's preparing food and taking care of my mom and her siblings. And my grandfather passed away at a very young age and my grandmother as well. And my uncle died from cancer as well. Mm. So I do take these things personally because I was affected by it, by my family and my, my peers, my friends. Mm -hmm. What do you think was the impetus for finally reaching this settlement? I mean, did it have anything to do with secretary Holland and the power that she has at the federal level to, to put pressure maybe on Utah leaders? Well, she is the secretary of the Department of Interior, and under that, there's a lot of avenues or a lot of uh, agencies. So we have the Bureau of Indian Education, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Of course, we have our national parks, national monuments. So the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which this is in correlation with, she is over that that department. So Mm. for her to be a part of this, I know was very important. She's done so many amazing work so far that pertain to Indigenous. Mm -hmm. And so this, you know, it was just befitting for her to be a part of this as well. I don't know if you saw who the additional sponsors were, and that's uh, Mr. Stewart, Mr. Curtis, um, Mr. Luan, and several others. But um, John Curtis, he has done a number of town hall meetings, especially in Bluff area. I wish he would come further into our mm-hmm. Utah Navajo Nation side, but I have no doubt he has been well informed also of the water rights. Uh, and so I'm sure his voice was very important in this conversation. So I'm sure all of them played a, a key part. But yes, I think Secretary Holland, her voice was very important in this conversation. I don't want to talk politics too much, but I think it's worth noting that Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez is in the middle of a re-election campaign. Is this a win for him? I think this is something that he has been very well informed about. Before he was a Navajo Nation president, this area is a part of what he was including as a council delegate. Hmm. And so I know he has connections to the Utah Navajo side because he's played a very important role in the past before now being a Navajo Nation president. In terms of a win, I think anything that is good for the Navajo Nation is definitely is definitely a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say a win because there are so many things in terms of what we still have to overcome for the Navajo Nation mm-hmm. to where I can feel that it is a win. Are you optimistic that this settlement agreement is the beginning of better policy for the Navajo Nation? Or, you know, sometimes these victories, they become an excuse to stop doing more work because you ride out the victory for as long as possible for political favor. You know, I want to be optimistic, Um the only way I feel I can be optimistic is if I am a part in those conversations as a voice. And like I said, we have so many amazing Native voices, uh, but for the state of Utah, we cannot stop. We can't. We have to still continue to move forward. This is great that this is happening and this is done, but you know, in the management plan, that's the next step. And mm. Then I'll continue to be more hopeful. And then the next process is the implementation. Once this starts, we start seeing things happening. Then, you know, it's okay. This is one. 
You know, mm-hmm. let's go on to the next. What's the next uh, job and duty that we have to do? So this is just, this is a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that it's known that, you know, we, we here in Utah Navajo, we definitely want to be continued in our conversations and we don't want to be left out in conversations. And I know a lot of, of our people are actually, they're in the Wasatch Front area. Mm-hmm. And I believe in the, the most recent uh, 2020 census, there are over uh, thousands and thousands of, of re- native residents that come into the Salt Lake area, but mm-hmm. they're still connected. We're still connected throughout this state. And we are not going to stop having our voices being heard. So I hope and and want to reach out to everyone to continue support all over the place, not only for our Indigenous communities, but also our other communities of color. Mm-hmm. Davina, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. before we go. First, I don't know about you, but after this weekend, I'm seeing a pretty high COVID transmission in my community. It might be a good idea to take a quick test. And in case you are out of at-home tests, you can order eight more for free at covid.gov tests. Here's a great Salt Lake pipeline I can get behind. The North Davis County Sewer District is going to start sending its treated recycled wastewater into saltier portions of the Great Salt Lake. The benefits are twofold. One, regulate salt levels to decrease algae blooms, increase brine shrimp, and increase bird habitats. And two, get more water into the lake. Activists are cautiously optimistic, of course. All these throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Great Salt Lake solutions could have hidden implications we haven't really thought of yet. But it's awesome to see regional counties and municipalities trying. If you drive out to Antelope Island this summer, you might see the trench being dug and pipeline under construction along the access road. That's our show today here on CityCast Salt Lake. I have to ask you a favor. I know how many people listen to this show every day, and I know how many reviews we have in Apple Podcasts, and they are not the same number. From the bottom of my heart, I would be so grateful if you left a small, short review, quick review. Shouldn't take you more than a couple minutes. Thank you so much. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around this city. Bye. Bye.